Wash your hands and keep it clean. You gotta wash your hands and keep it clean. We'll flatten that curve while we're quarantined. It feels absurd, but just you wait and see. Cover your cough and if you sneeze, and then you wash your hands and keep it clean. That's right. Wash your hands, everybody. Well, hello and welcome back to our Saturday Thrive Subscribe series, COVID-19 Practice Pearls. And so far on this podcast, we've, we've talked a lot with our host, Joe and Ashley, about how you can keep your team safe, your patients healthy, and also focus on your business through this global pandemic. Um, so if you haven't listened into some past episodes, definitely be sure to check those out. And the link should be in the show notes, um, or you can subscribe to Thrive Subscribe wherever you listen into podcasts. Um, but today we're really grateful to have with us Sean Parker. And Sean is an attorney with Smith Anderson and also serves as general counsel for CPSN USA. So to guide this discussion, I'll invite uh, Joe Moose and Ashley Branham to um, just kick us off. Thank you, Suzanne. I appreciate you having us and uh, appreciate Sean coming on with us today. Sean has, uh, he's, he's very well versed in in CPSN and pharmacy and, and how pharmacies um, are working on the front lines during, uh, during the COVID days. Uh, as well as how pharmacy uh, working in an enhanced service model uh, is trying to position themselves uh, to to uh, to help outcomes and be an outcomes based uh, healthcare provider. Um, also with us today is is my co-host Ashley. Ashley. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Um, again, thanks, John, for being on with us today. We. Uh, Joe and I thought it might be important to bring Sean on um, and to kind of get some perspective as we've been getting a lot of questions from um, luminaries as well as other community pharmacists around um, kind of what what general measures um, do employers um, really need to be taking to protect staff, to protect um, their, their patients and making sure their pharmacies are not a hot spot for sharing COVID and, um, and, and generally just what practices um, do we need to be considering? And so um, while Sean is on, um, you know, as the CPSN USA General Counsel, um, he's not providing legal advice to us today, but he will um, kind of help us think about some important measures as well as um, define some, you know, um, some of the early cases that are starting to arise across the nation regarding community pharmacies, medical practices, um, and, um, and and how it relates to COVID-19. So, Sean, thanks so much for, for being here today. And, and um, as we kind of dive into this, we'll, um, you know, we're anxious to hear kind of what's happening on the landscape of um, considerations that um, we need to take in order to not ignore um, um, kind of the, the COVID spread and how we best address, um, you know, patient and employee concerns. Well, great. Thank you so much for having me. So as you said, there's, there's a lot of these questions floating around and, 
and somewhat limited guidance, mainly because it's kind of an unprecedented activity that a, a national pandemic uh, and the different laws. So what, what we're trying to focus on, I think a little bit where the predominant questions are, you know, what, what measures do you need to take to kind of mitigate any liability as it relates to you as a, as a pharmacy owner to your employees? Uh, and, and also what rights and obligations do you owe uh, as a pharmacy to your patients and those who are coming into your site of service to, uh, to get care um, where, where there might be some liability? Um, so, you know, I think starting first perhaps with, with the, what, what you may be hearing, you know, how, how are you working with your uh, employees? Um, so, OSHA has what's called a general duty clause. And uh, what it means is that you as an employer are, are to require your, your to furnish your employees a place of employment that's free from recognized hazards that could cause or are likely to cause death or serious physical harm. So that's a pretty big, broad general duty clause. Uh, they have not given further guidance on, well, how would you, uh, how would you be at risk of not meeting your duty under this, but they've kind of pointed to you should be following CDC guidance. Um, and while I said this has been somewhat unprecedented, um, we do have actually two cases now out there. Uh, in April, a, uh, a former employee of Walmart uh, perished with the COVID-19 disease and his uh, estate, of course, sued for wrongful death. Uh, and just two days ago, a, uh, uh, an, a former employee of the Tyson plant also uh, succumbed to the COVID-19 disease and, and her estate has uh, um, sued, sued the employer uh, uh, under this general duty clause. Um, so I think Ashley's gonna kind of go into a little bit further what CDC recommends uh, as far as for pharmacies being open. Um, but what you can see in both of these wrongful death cases, what, what the complainant's alleging is that, that the store um, ignored uh, the, the uh, possible, the, the symptoms that were being experienced by uh, the employee. And then, uh, and then when they sent them home, they, they died a few days later. Uh, they went back and sued and said, hey, that you, you failed to clean or sterilize your store. Uh, you failed to promote and even further enforce uh, social distancing standards. Um, probably very important in the pharmacy world, failed to provide the employee with a personal protective uh, device. Um, and then finally, which is also mixed in a little bit of a world of uh, uh, legality is they failed to warn others. So if one of your employees contracts conditions related to COVID-19, what activity should you do to, to protect your other employees or potentially uh, customers to your store? Um, so any any questions you can think of, Joe, or Ashley, directly from? Yeah. Well, and before we get into that, I, I just want to remind you, those of you on the live audience today is feel free to type questions in the in your question box or your chat box, and we will be monitoring that, and we'll try to get, get all your questions answered to, for those of you who are live today. But, um, yeah, fantastic, Sean. I think, this, you know, there's just a lot of uh, – of uncertainty as a pharmacy owner and to what, you know, what do I do, um, you know, in terms of, let's say I have a, an employee who gets symptoms and uh, I send the employee home and we're waiting on a test to come back. And, uh, you know, HIPAA tells me, I can't tell the other employees what's going on, but, but also I'm hearing that I have the duty to warn my employees that we may have 
have somebody positive. How, you know, uh, a situation like that, where do I turn to, to, to give good advice or good practice? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. That's where we kind of have that, uh, you know, dissonance between uh, privacy protection laws and, and your responsibilities uh, under, under this uh, COVID OSHA manual. So what, what we do, first and foremost, if you have a sick employee, um, you, you should have them go home. You should send sick employees home is a pretty straightforward response. Um, prior, there was concern that, you know, if you didn't allow a person to come to work, uh, that that could be actionable, but uh, uh, the guidance from EEOC and CDC both say that it's important you uh, you can send sick employees home. You also can check employees. You can ask for additional health information during this period and even create like tests or measures like uh, testing temperature or other things like that uh, if, if, um, if it can be conclusive. If you have someone who demonstrates symptoms or has a positive test, um, your responsibility to tell others of what, what best practice would be is find out from the person who tested positive who they interacted with so that you can warn them rather than asking people in your office, did you interact with so-and-so? So I think that's probably a, a good first step is the person who um, has had that symptom or interaction, find out from them who they may have been working with closely or uh, who may have been exposed by being you also can use some generalities like, uh, you know, they, they worked at this part of the building or, you know, we had someone and the last time they were in, uh, in the office or in, in, in the lab that it was uh, last Thursday. Things like that are a way where other people can jog their own memory and see if they've been exposed. John, I'm just going to touch on something you mentioned earlier, uh, and, and that's around, um, you know, there are there are guidance tools out there to help um, the employer. I know many of our listeners are, are aware of those, but, um, you know, to sit back and do nothing is probably not the best response right now based on some of the cases that are starting to surface. And, um, and I know many of the listeners are very proactive, but, but don't forget, you know, there's, there's CDC guidance, your he local health departments likely have guidance. So make sure that you have, um, you know, to protect yourselves, some written policy um, or, you know, or evidence um, that this policy has been communicated um, that that have similarities or components of those guidance documents that have been sent out. I mean, we know the CDC guidance tools have, um, have been very clearly um, recommending um, specifically for pharmacists and pharmacy technicians to wear a face mask while they are in the pharmacy for source control. And they, um, you know, are encouraging the postponement or rescheduling of um, clinical preventative services. And, you know, anything that can limit face-to-face um, -face encounters um, are, are in place. And so, um, and, you know, kind of keep those in mind. Make sure you're, as an employer, are protecting yourselves in, in those guidance tools um, and, and that you're communicating that as, as kind of a, the source of truth um, as questions do arise um, around um, continued cases that may be emerging. Yeah, and, and that point about uh, wearing masks uh, is a good one. Uh, that's a question we, we get a lot. Uh, well, first, you know, regionally in different 
localities, there, there may be laws that do require uh, the wearing of face masks uh, into public places. Um, so that, that makes it easy that you, you certainly want to demonstrate you're following any local guidance uh, uh, that are established. Um, but, but as a pharmacy owner, um, I, I think technically you, you would keep a legal right to have customers who are not wearing a mask, you can ask them to leave, similar to you uh, using your right to refuse entry to someone who's not wearing shirts or shoes. So it, it, I think that comes up a lot like, and uh, we, we have not seen any litigation to it, but certainly you see uh, uh, the, maybe on Twitter otherwise, where stores such as Costco and others have uh, identified uh, that that is a policy of the store and they are enforcing it. And it's probably not a bad practice. Sean, this is the South. You know shirts and shoes are optional. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, There's a song at, about it, I believe. You're exactly right. Um, at, at what point does the employee have some responsibility in protecting themselves? E either while on duty or outside of duty, outside of their work hours. Yeah, well, that, that that actually was one of the first questions um, as it related to, uh, you know, workplace liability for an employer is if an empl employee contracts coronavirus, uh, you know, whether it fell under a worker's comp or um, in this day of pandemic, it would be very hard to trace necessarily where the COVID was derived from. So I think that's kind of a... For, a quiet protection, you wouldn't want to rely on it. But but one of the, the issues is um, because a, an employee uh, um, should be demonstrating at work, obviously, for your sake and otherwise uh, protective measures, uh, it should also do so uh, while they are uh, out at home and off work um, because it would uh, potentially impact their ability to come into work. I and mean, again, you can monitor uh, your employees for health status and have them not work. Uh, if uh, if you believe there's a risk that they are uh, carrying it or have symptoms. So we have flu season right around the corner. And um, I know a lot of pharmacies are actively ordering vaccine if they haven't already and preparing using the summer to prepare for, um, um, you know, their vaccination process. Um, throughout the pandemic, the CDC has, um, you know, relaxed their statements on immunizations to avoid face-to-face -face contact. But now that we're starting to kind of go into even more uncharted territory with a, a circulating COVID virus as well as um, influenza that could be coming about, a lot of people are starting to question when is the right time to start initiating services, one of those being immunizations. And I know I'm just having conversations with a lot of other pharmacies as well. They're, they're starting to get back into the space of um, vaccinating. And we're seeing um, some of the best practice tips that's being considered around ways to minimize exposure. So I, I've heard of some pharmacies that are doing all of that um, consent with the questions over the phone. And then when the patient arrives, they're, you know, just stepping inside the pharmacy for a brief period of time or, you know, it's. It's one minute or less of actually um, getting the vaccine administered and moving on, as well as requiring the patient to use face masks if they're presenting for vaccines. So we're seeing some um, 
some of these practices that are starting to be considered to minimize risk of exposure, but still being able to administer vaccines. And so, you know, I think um, if you're on the line today and you're starting to think about what that process looks like, um, you know, we'd love to hear your ideas or how you're implementing getting back into the immunization space because um, it, it is around the corner. And I know a lot of pharmacies are scratching their heads trying to figure out what is the best process um, yeah, for that. Yeah, definitely share any protocols around that you have. I know we, we have a protocol of Moose Pharmacy um, around how we're, we're doing vaccines and we'll, We'll get that information out to uh, in the show notes um, for it. But would like like all the the CPS luminaries who really are the, the the leaders of innovation around the country to to contribute what they're doing and, and how they're handling the, how they're handling immunizations in, in their area. Absolutely. You know, and, and Sean, we may come about, you know, staff who's uncomfortable, particularly a pharmacist who are administering the vaccines. They may not be quite comfortable getting into this space. And it sounds like maybe the guidance that you've mentioned is, is OSHA and the workplace guidance tools that they provided and, and how to best navigate those ideas. Any other thoughts that you have around that? Yeah, no, I, I think some sense uh, you, you just have to find a degree of reasonableness because uh, you're going to have workers, you're going to need them to come to work. Um, you're going to have uh, people who may have higher concerns because of uh, other uh, coexisting uh, occurrences. If they're of a certain age or they're, they're, uh, they have other, um, uh, they, they're, they're, they have obesity or, other, or, or uh, um, respiratory ailments otherwise. So to the extent that you can, uh, you know, be proactive and, and plan around that, uh, I think it's best. So if, if, a, if a person does not want to provide vaccines to the general public, if there's a way that you can have them complete their task outside of the public, uh, then I would support, you know, uh, making all reasonable accommodations. And uh, beyond that, uh, I, I think, again, you your general duty is to provide a, a, a work site that is relatively safe, um, I think if I had any like closing remarks, it would be that, you know, there's no magic bullet to spread the spread of the COVID-19. Um, but if you want to defend against uh, exposure lawsuits, uh, you're going to want to show that you took the threat seriously, that, that, you know, you were enforcing social distancing, maybe through uh, how people move through the pharmacy uh, and you implemented reasonable measures to protect your employees. So you have PPP available, you have hand sanitizer out, you might have signs up saying, be sure to wash your hands, keep a safe distance, things like that, that you can demonstrate that you took most reasonable precautions, uh, although life is continuing on and your work must continue on because it's, it's a necessary and essential service that we have pharmacies working. That's, that's really helpful, I think, because there is just so many people questioning um, am I doing enough or, um, you know, what, a, how extreme do we really need to take some of these measures? And, and what I'm hearing you say is, you know, use the guidance tools, take action, convey that action, be reasonable, um, and, and, you know, and, and consider all questions or concerns appropriately. Um, and, and when that's in place, you, you're, 
in a better position than if you're nose to the grind, you know, work as normal and, and not acknowledging that there is a virus out there. That's right. Yeah, Sean, let's kind of flip around just a minute. And can you speak to what if a patient um, claims that, that they were exposed in your pharmacy? Um, or if a patient feels like uh, your pharmacy is the source, maybe not from an employee, but maybe because you've got too many people in your pharmacy or you you know, you don't have a, a six-foot uh, spacing or, or, you know, they came to the cashier and you did have some marks where the person was supposed to stand six feet away, but somebody came and got right behind their back and then coughed all over them. And, and a week later, they, they start to have symptoms and they're, they're blaming you or, or your location for that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little, a little harder for, for the patient or consumer to state that they had to be there, like you, you did not control them deciding to come in. Um, I think we fall back initially on the first one, which is uh, in a pandemic, how could you ascertain it came from Moose Pharmacy uh, in Mount Pleasant rather than when you were on the sidewalk uh, in Mount Pleasant from the Whataburger? It, you know, it, it's it's very even with contract chasing, you know, making that claim. Um, although I do believe it's it's reasonable if your local ordinance says. Uh, you should be doing X, and you fail to do X, then then you're going to put yourself at risk. Um, but yeah, anyway, you know, I think that's again, great. Right, I think that's great advice. Is is again, and and I think if you go back to our first or first and second episodes, um, and, and I remember Roger Pagnelli, a, a CPS luminary up in New York, telling us, you know, it very much turned to his local. Um, health department and local health officials to see locally what what the recommendations were there so uh, they weren't getting all their advice from from the news or or, or just the CDC but they were also mm -hmm. taking into consideration um, local health officials what they're saying all right um, so Seems like I we might be able to open it up for questions from the audience if there are any. Um, we want to make sure we cover um, any questions that may be pending out there. Yeah, I've been monitoring them um, as they're going on and then uh, kind of work them in as we were talking. If there if there are any new ones, feel, feel free to, again, type those in the, in the question box and we'll be glad to to get those answered. Um, Sean, any any just sort of global guidance on, uh, you know, we can follow locally what they're telling us, we can follow CDC and those type of things telling us you know, everybody is, is dying to reopen and get back to normal and socialize. Any guidance around um, maybe going uh, beyond what what uh, your local and those things say, and are there any consequences other than than it might hurt your business or might make your employees mad? But are there legal considerations if we say if everybody's saying okay, we're going in North Carolina, we're going to what we call Phase Two Friday, which allows restaurants to start opening up under some limited capabilities? Uh, you know, uh, what if we said hey, we're going to remain curbside only? 
for a, a while longer. Um, any legal considerations there? And I would not think so. I mean, again, you might have some contractual obligations sometime that you're supposed to carry out. And if you're still utilizing a, a, a COVID restrictions for not performing those duties, um, that that might be something you'd have to consider. Uh, but certainly using a more conservative approach to, hey, uh, we're, we're only opening this section of our pharmacy or we're only doing drive-through service uh, for another month despite your state maybe opening up completely or otherwise, th those would just be business decisions. Uh, and, and I think you would, you as the healthcare professionals would judge what is needed by your community and what's needed in your workplace to, to achieve that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of these, a lot of these third-party insurances have relaxed some rules around, um, you know, signatures and around uh, uh, some of those type things that if uh, that they said was only relaxed during, uh, you know, during this time period, and if they say, okay, we're back to normal, and you continue to 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 use those lax rules, you, you may have some contractual. Um, obligations that you would not be fulfilling and, and have the consequence to those. So very, very good point, Sean. Um, Ashley, any, any final comments or Sean, would you, you uh, got any take us home messages here where we could talk about this all day long, I, I'm sure, um, but uh, we're limited on our time here. No, no, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll thank you for uh, the, the service that you guys are all doing in your communities. Uh, one, one area that never stops. So uh, um, I, if you want to scroll back 10 minutes, I, I probably closed on my magic bullet statement 10 minutes ago. But I think, again, just being mindful uh, and uh, uh, that that is the best way to uh, mitigate liability. I, I don't know if there's ever a case where you can ensure there's no liability. So what your best step is to do, take steps that would mitigate, uh, that would make a reasonable argument for the way you conducted your business or actions you took. Well, I think that's right. very well, helpful. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for having me. Uh, be safe. Talk to all of you later. Thank you, Sean. Thanks so much. Yeah, and for everyone listening in today, um, you know, I hope going through these scenarios is really helpful and applying those to your practice and that takeaway message of, of being prepared. Um, you know, continue to join us each week for new podcast episodes on Thursday and Saturday. Saturday is this COVID-19 practice pearls. And then each Thursday, we have Randy McDonough with us to lead us through um, Thrive on Thursday. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. So it'll automatically come up in your feed each Thursday and Saturday. Thanks so much. The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com, where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.